0: ASI Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is episode 109. I am your host, Russ Shaw. Who am I?
1: Story in my life, searching for the right, but it keeps avoiding me. Sorrow in my soul, cause it seems that wrong, really lost my company more than a man, and this is more than love, the reason that the sky is blue, the clouds are rolling in, because I'm gone again, and to him I just can't be true, and I know that he knows I'm unfaithful and it cares.
0: What have I become? That's the question when it comes to adultery and breaking the 7th commandment. And this, this issue, this breaking the 7th commandment, if there's any bloodshed, if there's any pain, if there's any big, huge amount of emotional debt that is tied to anything, it is cheating and being unfaithful. It was a big song a few years ago because it totally people identify with this hurt response this Carrie Underwood.
2: Right now, he's probably slow dancing with a bleach blonde tramp, and she's probably getting thirsty. Right now, he's probably buying her some fruity little drink, cause she can't shoot whiskey. Right now, he's probably up behind her with a blue stick, showing her how to shoot a combo. And he don't know.
0: Become who am I? That's the big question. I want you to to answer and to think about when it comes to this issue of breaking the seventh commandment and what is adultery. What have you become when you can finally see? When you wake up in that moment and you see the heartbreak that you've caused, and you can open your eyes and go, "What? What if I could change? What if I could go back? What if I could ch- bring back the clock?" which you can't do. But what if you could? I, I love this response from the band
2: 112. What if I was a different man? I was. What if I wasn't so selfish and took one second just to listen to you? What if I wasn't all of my own jobs? If I wasn't so damn controlling? We'll still be right here. We'll still be together, be together, be together right now. Oh, we'll, we'll still.
0: My name is Russ Shaw. This is, again, episode 109. Play those three bumpers for you because I want you to feel the weight of this sin and how destructive and damaging it is. The ripple effect that runs through time because of this sin. From parents to grandparents to the kids to divorce to... It's just... It's a heart-level heart-wrenching sin that destroys. And there is real debt tied to it. And we should feel something when it comes to breaking it. Their, their right response is heartbrokenness. The whole point of sin, and this is the theology, right? I, I want to talk about you know, the, the psychology. I've talked about that before. There's a lot of psychology that you know we could talk for hours about the, the psychology of divorce or the psychology of adultery. But really, I want to go for the heart level issue of why the theology under the psychology. Why we do the things we do. Why are we... Prone to adultery. Why do we get before a judge or a priest or a pastor and say, Tell death to us part, for better or for worse? And then, one, five, seven, ten, twenty years later, commit adultery? Why do people do that? Why did I do that? Why was I so bitter and so hateful? And why did I have such a bitter, horrible, dark heart? an icy cold heart to go and do something like that. And then when outed, we feel the remorse. When we're seen in the light is usually when that that sense of, of remorse comes. The definition of adultery in di- the dictionary or dictionary.com is a voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and someone other than his or her lawful spouse. Um, This also goes to single people, right? The point of abstinence, not having sex before marriage is as part of, of adultery, but I really wanted to focus on the roots of it because it goes to the roots and Jesus is going to address this and he's going to be talking to the religious people When he addresses this, and when he goes after understanding adultery, understanding the heartbreak that God feels over what we do as human beings with free will. God didn't make robots. God made creatures who could think and feel and make choices. He didn't want... God is love, right? God wanted us to choose Him. God wants us to love Him. And if you're forced to love, right? If you're forced to do. Why is there evil in the world? Because we aren't forced to love God. God wants us to choose Him. And today I wanted to talk about on the show the most offensive thing that I've ever said in the show. The most offensive thing that I've said in this show that really rises people up and gets people angry and gets people so mad that they would lash out with angry emails towards me wanting answers, hopefully, but just striking at me with a very emotional response to something that I say in this this podcast that's very offensive to people. The most offensive thing that I have said on this podcast to folks, I'm going to talk about that today. But it has to do with going to that debt that, that Carrie Underwood talks about, right, in that song, Before He Cheats. Maybe you'll think about you know, he goes out, she goes out and just destroys his truck, right? Just smashes it and, and gouges the leather and pops the tires. And this is that debt. This is that we feel that. God gets angry. We are made in His image, right? You read the Old Testament. There is a reaction from God to unrepentant, Sinful, cold-hearted people who don't care, don't want it to love. Their love is themselves. I see that in that song by Carrie Underwood. Wrath. That's wrath. That's human wrath right there. And listen, my goal in the show is not to shame you or to put guilt on you. I think we already feel that. I think you're listening because there's some change that needs to take place, right? And guilt and shame are deadly, right? And that's in the Bible. That's 2 Corinthians foot 7. That worldly guilt causes and leads to death. My goal is to get you to to open your eyes and to maybe see what you've become because of not understanding and not perceiving the depth of, of what sexuality is and what it was made for and why God made it. It's very good, it feels very good, and God made it that way for a reason. It's opening your eyes and seeing what you have become in your identity. another page, right? Trying to find his way in the diary of Jane. I love that song by Breaking Benjamin. What have we become and how will our lives write the future? Every day is a new page. You're opening a new page tomorrow and you will write on that, that page with the pen of your life, which is this emotional, spiritual, and intellectual energy that comes pouring out of you all the time. What is the decision maker? Where is your heart, the center of all your your emotion, your intellectual, what you're chasing? What are you chasing? Are you after what matters? Is your heart broken over the adultery? Can you understand that God made sex? God made intimacy. God made love, marriage. God is love. Right? All those nerve endings and all those sensitive parts that we have on our body and our genital areas, God's idea. It's not just for procreation. Right? That's cold-hearted, blood-sucking religion. That's not true. The Songs of Solomon is a book about sexual pleasure between a man and his wife. And he talks about, right, eat and drink your fill, you lovers, God says. There's nothing mentioned in there about babies. Please, if you have that, you need to understand it. get out of that thinking, that that cold-hearted thinking that God doesn't want you to have any fun, because that's not true. But when we cheat because we think the sex is better with somebody else than who we're in love with, there's something really broken in us, something very, very distraught and destroyed and messed up in us. So how do, how do we respond with all this hurt and pain? How do we respond? The, the thing that I've said that's ticked off people the most, I'm going to reveal it. Here it is. You know what I said that really, that really ticks people off the most, that really gets people's go, that gets people to respond uh, emotionally? God does not send people to hell. This is New Testament theology. This is the the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And you read it from the beginning to the end. It all culminates on the person and work of Jesus Christ. God incarnate, God in flesh, right? I want you to feel this. I want you to get in this in your roots of your reasoning, of how you're going to write that empty page of the rest of your life, if there's anything you could get into your roots of how you understand love, this is it. Religion says you clean yourself up, you ho- try really hard, you work your hardest. It's no wonder we're stuck. The devil, the word Satan, right, is accuser. Revelations 12, 11, uh, the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. Can I tell you something? The best way to keep someone in prison is to tell them that that's where they belong. And the devil wants to tell you that, that all that guilt and all that shame and all that weight and all that I'm just a horrible person, that identity, it became me. I am a cheater. Believing that is that. The devil will keep telling you that. Why? Because he wants you to stay in prison. Stay locked into your addiction. Stay locked into that affair. Stay locked into that cold-hearted place because you believe that you're just bad and wrong and sinful and evil and horrible. Religion is an enemy of the gospel when it's all about morality and you cleaning yourself up and presenting yourself to God. Jesus says, I'll give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart, new motivations, new desires. God is so loving us, and He's so after us, and we so want to take our eyes off ourselves and make it about other people. Right? There's that temptation to to stop thinking about our own lives and to and to put our energy out onto other people. What about that guy? Or what about that guy? Or what about that
2: guy?
0: Lewis said, I love this, he said, um, God is telling each man his story. The Hebrews came up with this analogy of the heart, because the heart is us, right? We start with our lives, we, we are worshipers, that the heart is that blood pumping from the inside, that from the inside of the center of who you are, pumps blood out to the ends of your fingertips, to the tips of your toes. That is the heart that is the motivation of our whole lives. This is good Charlotte.
2: The heart is a vessel that can carry you far away further.
0: listening that have this thing right like they're trying to figure me out like okay Russ loves Jesus all right okay that's cool that's his religion thing but what is how can I figure out how he did it how does he go five years without slipping how does he go this long how did he break free from this trap of sexual addiction if that's why you're listening I'm, I'm glad you're here today Because a big part of it is at the root, at the core of the heart of who I am and what I believe, right? My critical reasoning, that the source of my motivated reasoning is this understanding that I don't belong in prison. That prison is a place of hell and death and it's horrible and I don't belong there and for years I was lied to and I was led to believe this lie that I am a prisoner and I belong in prison because I'm so bad because I'm so good and I need to hide this dirty little part of me whatever it was this prison that I had I had built around myself then in the lies that I've believed that I that I belonged there Through history,
2: and new technology the mystery
0: Jesus in uh, the book of Luke Luke 15 starts in verse 11 Jesus tells this story that so encompasses the the motivations of the heart I love this he he talks about uh, I'll, I'll tell it in, in my way. But, again, you can read it in Luke uh, 15, starting in verse 11. Um, this is a great look back also at this this vampire metaphor that I was talking about, that Bram Stoker writes this book, Dracula, um, not too long after uh, Charles Darwin's book comes out. And, you know, as it's gaining in popularity, and, and maybe, my, my speculation, um... Uh, Bram Stoker, being a Christian, writing this book to show something that's in social psychology. I listened to this number of lectures at Berkeley, and the social psychologists who say, um, we all tap out, right? We all submit to something. We all have an authority above us that we all conform to. There's no such thing as real non-conformity, Okay, you can be a non-conformist to a certain group or a certain clique, but you will conform, right? Even if you're just all alone, locked in your cabin, you're conforming to yourself. And I think that's the, the metaphor that Bram Stoker brought up with this character, Dracula, right? Lurking in the dark, sucking blood, you know, just all about control and lust and... Anyhow. Jesus tells this story. It it just encompasses that heart condition of the fact that we will submit to someone or something. Um, This man has two sons, okay? The younger of the sons says to his father, I don't want to wait for you to die, right? He says, I don't I, I want my inheritance now. I, I don't want to wait around for, for you to kick the bucket. And this was a slap on the face to a father in those times, a Jewish father. This could have been, he could have been sentenced to death for, for just having this attitude. Um, But anyhow, he, he does it. The father says, okay. he And he splits his inheritance to both of the sons. The younger son takes the money. And he like moves away, and he and he squanders the money, right? He wastes it on hookers, right? And parties, and you know, he gets an Escalade with the rims that spin, right? And he it just just wasteful living. He just wastes this money. Um, after a few years, there's a, there's a famine in the land, right? And the economy goes bad, and everybody's poor and everybody's broke, and he spent all his money, and you know, his business dealings didn't work out, and so. He gets a job feeding pigs, right? He gets a job in the, in the stalls at this farm, and he's, and he's feeding the pigs slop, and he doesn't have any place to go because he's homeless. So he finds himself sleeping in the stalls with the pigs at night to stay warm and just to have a place to stay. And after a while, he starts to think that, he starts to realize, right, this, this concept of being in prison, That maybe prison isn't where I belong, okay? Maybe... And he starts to think, he says, maybe my dad will will take me back, right? Like maybe I can go back to my dad and he will at least, like he's thinking of his servants. Like when the kid grew up, he had these servants that his dad had in his farm and in his estate. And he goes, maybe I could just be a servant for my father because my father's servants live better than this. I don't need to be in this horrible prison of self that I've created. Maybe I can go back to my dad. And so he does. He he goes back to his father, and uh, he, he he sees his dad. His dad sees him in the field coming, and gets this news that his son is coming. And he he's so excited, and he's so overjoyed that he this classy, rich, right um, Jewish man lifts up his tunic. And runs to his son. I've heard this prodigal son story also told us. The running father story. I love that. That he's so overjoyed and there's so much love in his heart for his son. He just runs up, wraps his arms around him, gives him this big hug and says, I love you. I'm so glad you're back. You were dead. And now you're alive, right? He thought he was dead. You've been lost. And now you're found. That's where that lyric in the song Amazing Grace comes from. Also, there's another great little analogy in here. Greg Laurie brought this up, and I thought this was really awesome. That it, it, His son probably didn't smell real good, right? Like he was sleeping with pigs. He probably hadn't had a shower in, in weeks. Homeless. Nasty. Stinking of, of pig pig and slop and what does his father do he wraps his arms around him i love you come here he doesn't say no you go take a shower go clean yourself up first all right that's a lie that is not the gospel of jesus christ we do not clean ourselves up first and then present ourselves to god so some of the issues i have with some of these churches where you have to get all dressed up and you present yourself to god and there's some kind of Old Testament analogy or metaphor there. No. God loves us and accepts us the way we are. And he wraps his arms around us and he says, bring the fatted calf, right? I mean, he doesn't just accept his son back. He throws him a party. He throws him a huge party. Bring the fatted calf. And and his other brother is there, right? Because they split the inheritance. He, he got his inheritance, too. But he stayed. He was the good one. He was the good guy. He did the right things. And he stayed with Dad, and he worked the farm, and he he gets bitter in his heart. See, the son that left isn't the only one that went to the prison of the, the pig pen sty, right? The brother comes home. And instead of him having this, oh my God, my brother's alive, that's awesome, his heart gets bitter and cold. And he's thinking, why should we have f- brought the fatted calf for him? Haven't I been working here for you? Haven't I done all the moral right things? Haven't I, right? And I think there's some of that in, in religion and in the church that... I heard a pastor do a sermon, and he was talking about how, oh, yeah, it would be good and fun to do all those sexual things, but I don't because I'm serving my father kind of an attitude. It's like, no, that's that's prison, dude. It's not good and fun. I mean, it is for a a really short period of time, kind of like I talked about when I lived in Alaska. When you're in sub-zero temperatures, it's tempting to pee your pants to keep your backside warm. Because that does feel good for, for a little while. And then the frost sets in and it goes really bad, okay? But there's that attitude, right? Like, I think that in the sexual arena and sexual ethics in the church, which has become a little bit like Haiti, okay? People in Haiti ran to the church because that was where they got like, help. They didn't get help from the government like we do here, like welfare and stuff like that. They ran to the church. Today, people with uh, jacked-up sexual ethics in the States run to the church, and they find the church in rubble, kind of like in Haiti, because of just not understanding the gospel. Not understanding who Jesus is. That God sends Jesus, and he's like the the running father, right? Because the running father, he, he leaves the party, and he, he, he engages the, the older brother the older brother. He hears the, you know, he hears the bass pumping, and he hears the dancing, and he hears the the gladness and the joy in this this hall where they're having this party for, for the son who was lost and now he's found. And the older brother won't go into the party. Cause his heart's full of bitterness. And what does his dad say? Does his dad just go, oh well, that self-righteous little jerk. Let him sit out there. No, he doesn't. He goes to the older brother. His heart is after the older brother. He pursues the older brother, just like he lifted up his tunic and pursued and ran after and and received the the younger son. He doesn't have this negative attitude towards the the self-righteous kid, right? He goes out and he looks him in the eyes and he says, you were with me. Right? Like, why do you put the ring on this kid's finger? Why do you put a ring on his finger and you throw this big party and you kill the fatted calf for him? And he says, you were with me. You've been with me all along. I'm so glad you've been with me. Now come and be merry and glad for your brother who we thought was dead is alive. And he, you know, the Bible doesn't really record what happens after that, but I just think that it's awesome that... The running father has that attitude towards the older brother and the prodigal son. The, the father, the, the running father, seeks to show them that he is a good authority, right? And he, and he seeks to rescue them from that desire of self, right? From that vampire kind of desire. You know, that's why he talked about the, the analogy of the heart, this metaphor of the heart, because our desires are changing us. We are changing. We are conforming to something. We are submitting to something. And God is not after your begrudging submission. I found it curious at the beginning of the story that he gives, you know, the younger brother the inheritance. He gives both of them the inheritance. He's just, here, here you go, right? He's not after our begrudging submission. He's after our long-term joy. But he wants us to see that he is a better authority than the vampire of self that seeks to bring us in, down to a darker, adulterous kind of me-first, my-pleasure-first attitude. I like that in Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus, How how should we pray? How do we pray? How do we get out of this vampire-like, selfish heart condition? How, show us how to pray. And Jesus tells the, the, the Lord's Prayer, right? That... Um, hallowed be your name. Pray like this. Lord God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and deliver us from evil. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have indebted against us. Right? That, that analogy of, of debt. That sin has a debt. You know? And deliver us from evil. Right? Deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the ultimate authority. when he does love us. And I think part of Uh, God your loving father pursuing you and busting you out of prison that part of the pain that you may be suffering right now the pain that I went through through the affairs through the crap through all the horrible stuff that I went through the the pain and the consequences of that were right where I belonged not that I belonged in prison but those things the consequences of those things would bring me back to my father and that's God's heart for us that he loves us and that he's after us. My name is Russ Shaw. The email address, you want to send me an email about any of this. It's Russ at Asi247.org. Um if you want to leave a donation, I would certainly appreciate it. It's right there on the website. You can click on the donation button, or if you'd like to send a check, or if you want to send anything to me through the, the mail, it's P.O. Box13324. Everett, Washington, 98206 in the USA. Addressed to, to Russ Shaw. Um, I love you guys. I'll leave you with this song by Good Charlotte from the album Cardiology. And if you want to download any of the songs that are on the show, you can do so on the website. You click on the music tab. There's links right to iTunes. You can download the music or Amazon or whatever. I, I love you guys. Till next time. Pray right? Bring yourself to God. He loves you. He's your Father, and He's after you. He's not trying to hurt you. Right? This life is so short. It's like, you know, Pastor Mark said, it's like it's like the third grade. And we look back in eternity. It's going to be like the freshman year of high school. You forgot all about it. Yeah, it was pretty painful, pretty, you know, we're freaked out about it, but it is so short this life and it's so important where we choose to run what we will desire will change everything for eternity love you guys bye I will be taking the next few weeks off until December. I won't be doing any uh, more episodes until December. This will be a good time to maybe catch up on some old ones or, or what have you. But uh, I will miss you. And uh, if you want to send an email and let me know how this is hitting you, uh, again, it's russ at asi247.org, or you can reach me on Facebook, and that is on the website. Love you guys. God bless and be well. Bye.